I'm reading today from Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 to 25, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Moses flees to Midian. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labour. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Reol, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Riol asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anne. Let's pray as we turn to reflect on what Anne has read for us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story in this, your word. And we pray that you would help us to learn the lessons that we need to learn from it. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This week in the second chapter of Exodus, we come to the person who many take to be the hero of this story. We come to Moses, the Israelite baby who we heard about last week, the baby who was preserved by God's providence. Moses, who grew up both as an Israelite and as an Egyptian, getting the best, one would presume, of both worlds. Being the adopted son of an Egyptian princess, Moses would have got the best education, and he would have got all the privileges that come with being a son of the palace. But he also, Moses also, it transpires, 
was immensely proud of his heritage as an Israelite. His mother Jochebed, and presumably his father Amram, it would seem, had a hand in not only nursing and weaning him when he was young, but also helping him to know who he was. Maybe, though the text doesn't tell us, they had an influence on him even in later years. So here in our passage, we have Moses all grown up. We have Moses set in a prominent place to have an influence in high places. We have Moses uniquely placed to represent the Israelites to Egypt and Egypt to the Israelites. Moses was the ideal person to broker a deal that would end the oppression of God's people. But it doesn't quite work out like most people would think that it should, does it? I can just imagine the scene that we have described here at the beginning of our passage. Moses emerges from his palace education. He's got his master's degree in international relations under his arm. He's ready to hit the road running. Moses knows it all. And Moses has got the passion. Well, you know what happens. His first attempt at helping his oppressed fellow Hebrews ends in disaster. His intervention ends in murder. And then to top it all off, the people that he tries to help aren't even grateful. It turns out that Moses had a lot more education to get under his belt before he could ever do what God had planned for him. And throughout the rest of the chapter, we are told what further education Moses needed Like in all good sermons, this further education could be summed up in three points. And for those like me who are visual learners, I have an image for each point. So, Moses, pursued by Pharaoh on a charge of murder, runs away to to distant relatives in the land of Midian. And even in Midian, Moses can't help but passionately standing up for the underdog. He helps fend off a bunch of abusive shepherds who are harassing a group of women. These women, it turns out, are the daughters of Ruel, who also later we find has the name Jethro, lest you get confused. Later, too, we find out that Ruel is very wise. He is just the kind of mentor that a young hothead like Moses needs. And in his wisdom, Ruel makes Moses a shepherd. Learning to be a shepherd was the first bit of further education that Moses needed. Here's a photo of a sheep to remind us of this point. Shepherding was a lowly job, done by young boys and girls who, it was assumed, weren't up to anything else. But shepherding, and shepherding well, takes a lot of knowledge and skill. Just not the knowledge and skill you get from an education in an Egyptian palace. And the skill and knowledge to shepherd people well 
was just what Moses was going to need for the road ahead to be a good leader. Can I remind you at this point that being a leader like Moses is not exclusive of most, if not all, of us. We are all leaders in one way or another. We lead children as moms and dads, grannies and granddads, and as teachers and mentors. We lead other adults at work and at play, with friends and in our communities. And some of us lead in church as ministers and elders and in other roles. So please don't think these lessons taught to Moses are not applicable to your life. These lessons are for us all. And this first lesson is about being a shepherd. What is it about tending sheep well that sets people up to be good leaders? A good shepherd, Jesus tells us, loves his or her, her sheep. A shepherd's livelihood depends on the sheep's welfare. And because of that, Jesus also tells us that a good shepherd knows his or her sheep. What does a good shepherd know about sheep? Well, a good shepherd knows that sheep can be pretty stupid. Sheep sometimes don't know what is good for them. There are times that a shepherd must make decisions for the, for the sheep. There are times when a shepherd needs to make decisions that will keep his sheep out of danger and keep them healthy and thriving. That's the first thing the shepherd must know about his or her sheep. That they, all, they don't always know what's best for them. And the second thing a shepherd needs to know about sheep is that sheep can be pretty rude. Sheep don't thank you for doing a good job by them. Sheep are not like dogs who will lick your face in appreciation for any small act of kindness. A sheep would more as likely burp in your face. The people Moses will lead in the future end up being a bit like sheep. They end up not always choosing what is best for themselves. And they are often downright rude to Moses and to the God he represents. Through Moses' experience as a shepherd, he learns to do for the sheep, even when the sheep complain about what he's doing. And he also learns that you don't live for the thanks that the sheep might give you. Better to rely on your dog for that. A second bit of further education that Moses needed to be a leader was to be a bit more like his sister Miriam, whom we met in last week's passage as well. Miriam, when she was stationed at the riverside as the basket with her brother baby Moses floated by, verse 4 tells us, stood at a distance to see what would happen. Miriam was asked to watch the baby and see what would happen. 
Miriam, even at a tender age, knew what it was to respond rather than react. Moses, on the other hand, was all reaction. Moses sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave and he reacts. He murders the Egyptian. And he lands himself and his career as a potential savior of his people in a very sticky predicament. We live in an age where it is so easy to have knee-jerk reactions, just like Moses. We see that Twitter post. We hear that word of criticism coming out of the mouth of someone else. We see an image on the news or on Facebook and immediately we react. We react with a retweet or a word or an action, all of which we may very well regret in the future. Moses' reaction that first day out in the field was a result of pride. And I think our reactions too are also often because we are proud. We think we know best. And we fail to do what Miriam did. We fail to stop, wait, and see what will happen. Miriam, however, waits by the riverbank. As a good Jewish girl from a good Jewish family, Miriam would have prayed as she waited. We don't know how long Miriam waited and prayed. When the princess's servants retrieve the baby, Miriam continues to wait and watch and pray. But when the princess shows interest in the child, Miriam responds. Miriam responds to what she sees of the princess, and I believe the text doesn't say it outright. Miriam also responds to what she hears from God deep in her heart. And Miriam's response is an out-of-the-box solution to a very tricky situation. And it surely can only have been an answer to prayer. Through her response, Miriam ends up saving the day. Why don't I go and get one of the Hebrew women who has lost her baby to come and nurse this baby for you, she says to the princess. Moses, later in the Exodus story, shows that he has learnt the Miriam model of response. Time and again, Moses sees the situation that his people are in. He hears their complaining voices. But instead of reacting, Moses goes to God in prayer. And when Moses responds to the situation, he responds in out-of-the-box ways to some very tricky situations. A sea before them and an army behind them. And Moses lifts his hand and the seas part. No bread in the desert. Moses waits on God for manna to fall. No water. Moses strikes the rock at Meribah. So those are 
two of the lessons Moses needed to learn in his further education and becoming the leader God needed. Firstly, he needed to become like a shepherd. And secondly, he needed to become more like Miriam. He needed to become a responder and not a reactionary. But the third lesson that Moses needed was probably the most important. We come across this lesson most clearly near the end of our passage this morning in verse 22, where it says, Zipporah gave birth to a son. Zipporah was Moses' wife by this time. And Moses named his son Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Gershom, the footnote tells us, means a foreigner there. At this point, and, and maybe well before this point, Moses is feeling broken. And in naming his son, Moses cries out, I feel like a stranger in a strange land. Moses finally realizes at this point, maybe before, that in his own strength and with his own abilities, he cannot do what is required of him. At this point, Moses is no longer the cocky reactionary who fought and killed that Egyptian many years before. For God to use us, any of us, in any and every situation, whether we are leaders or followers, we need first to be broken like Moses was. We need to come to that place where we realize that we on our own cannot do what needs to be done. That cry of Moses, I am a stranger in a strange land, resonates from the lips of God's faithful people down through the centuries in Scripture. What does the prophet Isaiah say when he encounters the glory of God in the temple? Woe is me, I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips amidst a people of unclean lips. And the prodigal son in Jesus' parable, when he realizes just what a mess he has made of things, says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy. In both these cases, as with Moses' case, effectively responding to the call of God, however, doesn't end with brokenness. Brokenness is only an essential beginning to that effective response that is needed. Here in the Moses, in the Moses story, brokenness will go on to opening the door to an encounter with God at the burning bush. And there at the bush, Moses will begin to realize that he is not on his own in his desire to save the people of God. Moses realizes that God is with him and God will be with him as he goes up against Pharaoh 
and as he wrestles with the hard-headed, hard-hearted Israelites. When Moses is broken, he realizes it's God's power to put him back together again. When he is broken, Moses leans on God to do even more. Moses leans on God to do even more than he could ever have hoped or even imagined that he could do on his own. So there we have it. The three bits of Moses' further education that we too must learn. This week, let's consider before God whether we have and are learning these lessons. Firstly, let's ask, are we learning to be shepherds? Let's take responsibility for others, those whom we lead. And let's realize because we love and cherish the people we lead, being responsible means sometimes making unpopular decisions. And like good shepherds, let's not be seeking and living always and only for the approval of our sheep. And the second question, are we learning the Miriam model of response? So yes, Let's listen even to the sheep as we try to have deep understanding of situations and in waiting, watching and praying, let's listen for God's wisdom that he might lead us to find out-of-the-box solutions to tricky situations. And finally, and probably most important, are we willing to be broken before God? Are we willing to admit our inadequacies, our failings and our need so that God can make up for our inadequacies, forgive our failings and assure us of his saving power to do whatever he calls us to do? May God use these reflections on his word this morning to help us to be the leaders that he calls us to be in our everyday lives and in every area of our lives.